From around the lens, it's in a flash, your weekly recap of photo and video news. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. And I'm Travis Keys. And let's just get into the news. Let's burst shoot. <laughs> First up for us to discuss is Canon. Uh, my favorite phone video your, your, your camera of choice camera company camera says, of my choice. camera of choice uh, so i'm obviously biased because i own a canon r5 but of course we talk about the nice. canon r3 which is sort of their new hotness that'll be coming out whenever yeah. and there was a patent recently that showed how their eye autofocus works so now we're not talking about how it focuses on the eye of the subject we're talking about how to focus on your eye as you look through the viewfinder and it tracks where your eye goes and focuses on that part of the actual scene. And so they used this many years ago on their Canon, I think EOS. EOS 3. Yeah, the EOS, EOS 3. 3. I, have, I have two of them. Oh my I goodness. Yeah, they're on wow. my shelf. I actually have them. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, so obviously that old technology wouldn't cut it for today's, you know, technology. So they had to upgrade it. And this patent kind of goes into explaining exactly kind of how they're doing this. And I'll be honest, it's a little bit too much for me to understand. But basically what the article kind of, you know, says is that it will the uh, depict a small image sensor that will sit to the side of the main EVF and use a dividing prism along with the act along the optical path, which would direct light into the line of sight image sensor. So basically, it's kind of like a sensor off to the side, and it, it's it's meant to you know not interfere with your image quality of the actual EVF. Uh, what do you think of this uh, new fancy technology, Travis? Are you excited? I think it's no mistake that the EOS R3 is coming from the, the past of the uh, EOS 3. So mm -hmm. I, uh, obviously they're throwing throwing it back. And uh, um, if it works, it's kind of cool. Uh, it, it didn't. It was sort of gimmicky on the first one, uh, yeah. but it it, it was there. Um, so um, it's it's kind of crazy. Like if yeah, if I can actually pick up a little focus point, like I don't know how advanced or how precise it would be but if we're talking like i can look at someone's eye in that viewfinder and it and it hits it or the nose or the, like you know it's like but then again there's going to be times our eyes instantly look so many different places is it going to yeah. hit the right thing so i don't i don't know how it's going to work i mean it's just kind of cool but uh i don't know we'll see right <laughs> yeah i mean they've had 30 years to refine the technology so i'm sure they've been able to make it a little bit better you know, and when I'm using the R5, actually, this is kind of one of my sort of gripes about it. And maybe it's just me having to get better at the camera, but where it's like, you know, again, I'll try to use like the, the eye detect or the face detect when I'm shooting a group. And it's just sometimes it's never focusing on the right area I want to focus on. So then I have to go in and change the focus setting to pinpoint focus or, or something like that, or move the focus point around with the thumbstick. And it's like, that's cumbersome. You know, if, if the eye sensor autofocus works as well as sort of, it could potentially work, that would actually be pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, certainly if you were shooting maybe, you know, sports or, you know, uh, maybe like you know, F1 formula cars coming around the bend and your eyes catches that car coming around and you're shooting it at, you know, an F8 to F16 or something like that. So, you know, yeah. you're not that shallow a depth of field and it works. It's probably, it might be work great. You know, it sounds really cool, but you know, what's kind of cool is, what if you could do that after the fact? And Ooh. Adobe, Adobe has, as we know, a while ago they 
came out with their neuro filters. Well, they yeah, just updated yeah. a couple. And you know how we have that portrait mode in our iPhones where we can go in and kind of change the 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 f-stop in post to get make it a vocalicious kind of thing. Well, right. now right. Adobe has a neuro filter for that portrait mode as well. It's one of the ones they unveiled a couple new ones, and they're always kind of doing new ones. There's some that are in beta, and some that will be coming soon, like caricature and and uh, you know stuff like that. But the I have you played with the portrait one yet? Have you played with any of the neuro filters yet? I don't have, well, okay, no, that's not true. I use You're not Adobe. using Photoshop, are you? <laughs> I use Photoshop at work, you know, but I have not played with that filter yet. Yeah. Um, I do want to. I want to play with the one where you can, like, change your, you know, direction where you're looking and you're smiling and stuff like that. Uh, but I have not played with that filter. But now with this new one, maybe I'll try it out. I, although looking at the videos of people actually trying it out, it looks pretty janky. Well, I, I get, you know, obviously, you know, I get a little advanced use on a lot of these and I have uh, be able to use the portrait one uh, for the depth of field. And I got to say, I used, I, I tested one out on a photo of a guy with really curly hair. And yeah. usually that's the kryptonite for, you sure. know, these type of filters because you just see, you know, the, the little parts where it doesn't kind of match up. It did an amazing job. It, okay. uh, it, and uh, it, it was creamy and beautiful, and uh, it uh, you can you know adjust the blurriness and detail, and, and there's lots of you know uh, specific adjustments that you don't get in the uh, you show you know like the Apple version on your phone and stuff like that. You can actually go in and kind of dial in different parameters to it. Uh, so it was actually really cool. And since it just came out, I'm sure they'll continue to tweak it. But uh, some of these neural filters are crazy. Like you're talking about going in, in post, and you know some of these pictures. Like if someone wasn't smiling, you can add a smile. It's like it's crazy and you know it's getting information from other places and doing stuff but it's yeah it makes you kind of go <laughs> yeah no i think it's great what adobe is doing because it's like i think the adobe product right photoshop as it's sort of been created uh sort of hit a peak in terms of what it could do or what it you know does needs to do for the majority of people i'd say probably maybe five years ago and not to say they haven't improved it over that time, they have, but it's, it's interesting to see. It's kind of like, okay, we've perfected our product to this nth degree, right? Now we're going to do fun stuff and stuff that, you know, really shapes and changes what you can do with photo manipulation. I could just see it now, maybe like, you know, 10 years down the line, Photoshop will just be like, you type in a couple words and it builds a photo scene for you. Like there's nothing, you know, even to, to do with it or, you know, it takes your photo and it automatically analyzes everything about it and just fixes it and, you know, does things you can't even imagine. So it's, it's neat to see photo, uh, Adobe experimenting with all kinds of neat stuff and using the cloud to sort of augment workout work power and all that stuff. It's, it's really limitless what you can do with it. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and it's funny that you bring that up is there, there's actually, you know, uh, a program that they're working on and it's not Adobe, another uh, person. And uh, I'll try and find the article, but uh, it, you, you type in certain words and it does create the picture yeah. for you. And it's that's, crazy. Uh, that's that like, that, there. you were just talking about something that yeah, wouldn't it be yeah. cool if, and they are doing it. <laughs> it's like the next step of, Adobe, of like stock photography, right? Instead of you having yeah. to like search through and, you know, typing keywords and hope it looks like what you want. You, you type in the keywords and it manufactures a photo for you just right then yeah, and there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's kind of crazy. But one thing you can't manufacture by typing into a search box is camera equipment. At least Nikon can't because they're discontinuing or delaying the production of some DSLR lenses, specifically the AFS Nikkor 180 to 400 millimeter uh, F4 DSLR lens. 
And, you know, of course, this is just probably due to some, you know, shipping shortages, COVID, you know, what, whatever you want to kind of point towards, right? But it's also indicative of potentially some other issues that are coming up with either Nikon or DSLRs in general, because people are reporting, you know, shortages of other types of, you know, camera equipment and lenses. And it also maybe might lead to Nikon being unable to complete its Z-mount line of lenses by the uh, end of 2021. They're trying to get 30 lenses in their, their family. And so, you know, what do you think? I mean, is this sort of pointing towards, toward larger issues with Nikon or do you think it's just a kind of blip in their system and they'll be right back, right as rain? Yeah, I mean, this, uh, this is kind of a hard one to judge because everybody instantly wants to, you know, there's been years and years of you know, like, oh, Nikon's going to fail. They're failing. This is right. not, you know, and they're like, oh, I, I predicted it. Nikon's going down, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and a lot of people, and there may be some signs of that, but, you know, right now there truly is shortages. There truly are problems i mean if you look even at you know luxury cars right now you know they're actually telling you people are starting to buy used cars and other cars because the luxury cars that used to come with all these bells and whistles they can't get the chips and stuff to put in them so these luxury cars aren't coming with gps (laughs) you know it's like so there is shortages in this world if you look at like you know the rtx line of nvidia graphics cards that everybody's putting in processing and building these great rigs and stuff like that there you can't get them you know it's like so there are shortages so is this a shortage or is it something indicative like you said that, that you know maybe there's a change i tend to think that this has to do with uh covid and shortages right now uh, on this part of the, the story i so i definitely think that is probably what's going on yeah yeah i think it's kind of a mix of both i think it's obviously not a great world situation and also probably not a great nikon financial situation so really the true test will be next year around this time when covid is hopefully better mitigated around the world and we see some of the kind of everything sort of bounced back to normal. And if Nikon does bounce back to normal, then this was just a, you know, a blip caused by the world events. If not, then maybe we got a little bit more to worry about with Nikon. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, if you have your gear, how do you know you've taken a good picture? Ah, that's our, that's our next story. A terrible segue, but we're going to go into it anyway. Uh, so I was sitting there the other day and, and um, you know, a lot of times I get uh, messages uh, or DMs on Instagram and stuff like that. People asking, like, I'm sure you get a bunch of questions. And then they're like, uh, you know, yes, I do. It's like, can I ask you something? And one asked me the other day is like, how do you know if you've taken a good picture? And actually someone put an article on it, you know, on F-stoppers the other day. It's like, how do you know when you've taken a good photo? Yeah. Um, now I, I've watched and read the article. Uh, I think it's more of a, you know, a, a video that was done. I, I think his sort of advice is like, well, if you can take a photo and it works in color and works in black and white, then you know you've taken a good photo, which I think is a terrible advice. Yeah. <laughs> that is just so not the case. And and it's funny because he goes and shows this photo of this, you know, of this this beautiful kind of mountain range with a lake in it. And uh, he goes, well, you know, the, the composition of this one in black and white works better than this one. And actually what's really changing is the light. You know, it's, it's the way the light was hitting the good thing in the, you know, so his whole thing of like whether it works in black and white was just terrible advice, I think. And it was just more to make a video and that yeah. this goes up and this is what we kind of think. It's like, 
and then you know, I started wondering, like, how do you answer back someone? Like, how do you know if you've taken a good picture? Which is a, actually a very valid and good question. And my kind of answer was back, well, you study the greats, you study composition, you study paintings, you study this, and you go out and shoot, 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 shoot. And then it's all still subjective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I mean, you have to understand the way the light hits things. You have to understand the way, you know, that your lens, uh, you know, tells a different story, you know, from compression to the type of lens. You know, it's like every thing you choose changes the way you 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 interpret that photo and the way it renders so i think it's you know you have to understand the tools and understand the history of photography and you know and and also understand yourself and and, and really when you study the greats then you create a style for yourself and you can pay tribute to it or you know branch off and do what you want to do it's like what do they say is like you have to learn all the rules before you can break them and that's sure. sort of what yeah. photography is you know learn the rules and then break them <laughs> yeah the youtuber is named james popsis and it's kind of like again one of these folks where it's like they got to find something to talk about right so whether or not what they're saying is actually relevant or um valid is up for debate but i think it does bring uh, present an interesting question with regard to what we think is good and what we think is good usually changes over time right i mean i'm sure you look back at the stuff you did in your first couple of years doing photography oh, and you're like yeah. oh my god i thought that what garbage was good and that's what really makes a good photo is people giving you sort of that honest critique about your work and helping you grow as a photographer and being able to you know, analyze and be subjective about what you're doing and making sure that, you know, the stuff you look at back then you look at and say, Oh man, I, I could do better. Cause if you, you know, the moment you say you can't do better then you're not improving. Yeah. And what's um, kind of crazy about looking at his, the, the work and the examples he's putting up, they're not particularly good photos to start mm -hmm. with. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're not, he was not using good photos or what I would call good photos. And the type is like, hey, if you really want to delve into what makes a good photo, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, it's it's what is what's what do we have an emotional tie to? What do we have a visual tie to? Mm -hmm. What can you know compels us to you know search around that image and come up with our own stories or tells a story? There's so many things that make a good photo that you can't reduce it down to you know um, oh and it should be color or black and white because yeah. it's like to say that is ridiculous because if someone really understands color then suddenly they're shooting something that's you know maybe there's five million things in red and one in blue and so they understand the color. If you change that black and white, does it still work as a and big no, it's not going to work the same. It's just like there are reasons right. to use both and uh, uh, and reducing it down to that is just kind of silliness. Yeah, no, I think what makes a good photo it boils down to does it achieve what you intended to get out of taking that photograph in the first place, right? Does it portray the subject matter in the way that you want? Like I just went um, this weekend, went up to Seoul and we did some photo shoots around a, a palace and whatnot. And you know, I can look at my take and determine which of the photos I shot were good and which ones were not so good based on what I was trying to achieve from taking that photo. You know, it's like when I'm just doing a family photo shoot, right? I'm looking for, you know, good composition. I'm looking for obviously uh, the faces and the family, you know, to be, you know, in focus and looking at the camera or, you know, maybe not looking at the camera depending on the shot. So, you know, again, I just apply a series of technical factors to the photo and if it meets those technical factors and it also kind of, you know, maybe presents and gives me a feeling of just like pride and accomplishment from doing it. Uh, and then of course, if it reflects when I publish it online and people um, tend to gravitate towards the one that are good, you know, that helps reinforce what I've sort of um, believed in kind of creating it, that that's it, that is a good photo. So it's, it's a mixture of what you think is good and then also 
uh, that sort of validation that comes from sharing the photos. I mean, like yeah. when you publish something on Instagram, you have a ton of great stuff on there. Do you base sort of your worth and or not worth, but you know, do you kind of like look at how the people have responded to your imagery and say, oh, that one got more likes than that one? Maybe, maybe there's something to that, or do you just kind of do you, do you take any validation from the public? it's hard not to gauge a certain uh, response back to your photos because ultimately, you know, uh, I'm using Instagram to, to move me as a brand. So right, I have right. to see, well, did this product sell or did this product not sell? And it, it's not so much like, I'm not really looking at it as like, well, is this a good picture or not good picture? It's like, did this connect to people or did this not connect to people? Um, because, you know, it, like you said, it's, it's really subjective. It's like, and when you, this is such a, a huge topic that we can go down so many different rabbit holes, but the truth of the matter is like, you know, it's like, oh, what, what is good to someone else might be not to someone else. If you look at like the history of photography, some of the most iconic images are not technically good images. They're just captured like in journalism, you, you catch a moment or something that people connect with, or that just resonates. And it, it may not be a good picture, like technically, technically a good picture, but you've captured something that is so emotionally riveting or, or, or moving that it becomes an iconic image that we all imagine. It's like, that's a brilliant image. Although then someone, you take someone that has, you know, you know, like Ansel Adams and went out and, you know, did zone systems and studied light and waited for, you know, hours to get the right perfect lighting and stuff like that. You know, you might go, oh, well, that's a really technically beautiful, incredible picture. It really kind of, it, there's no right answer. Like we said, it's all subjective. Yeah, it has yeah, to connect yeah. with people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a mixture of, again, like that technical stuff and also moment, right? Did you capture an emotional moment? And yeah. one camera that you can utilize to capture emotional moments, although it's a bit more uh, tricky, is a point and shoot camera. And as yeah. I mentioned, I was in Seoul and we uh, I saw you know, a few people actually using these old school dollar disposable point and shoot cameras you know, at this place. And I was thinking like, are they being ironic? Cause everyone has cell phones, right? Are they, are they being, you know, why are they shooting with a point and shoot film camera? And I saw this article on F stoppers and it's similar to kind of like, you know, the other article in terms of, we have a, a commentator trying to create a video about something, but it was interesting to kind of see this popularity of point and shoot disposable cameras or even non-disposable cameras, you know, just regular point and shoot film cameras are sort of making a comeback. They're being seen by, you know, or being used by influencers and whatnot. You know, these people with blue check marks, uh, you know, using them online and stuff like that. And they've grown in popularity. I was thinking like, why, why are people using point and shoot film cameras? Uh, you have any idea, Travis? Uh, yes. I mean, you have, it's sort of like, you know, wonderful fads, you know, you know, yeah. when people, you know, suddenly they bring back the Holga, you know, it's like, oh, this is a terrible cheap camera, but people want to do it. It's fun. It's like, you know, people like discovering vinyl again. It's like you have hipsters that kind of want to go back and, and it's usually a contacts camera that they're, they're like, oh, you have to have this contact camera. It's, you know, the, yeah, it's unbelievable. And yeah, and it, there's a fine line between the people that are actually just using and doing great work and those that are being hipsters and the affected. <laughs> so uh, I think there's a lot of affected people out there doing this, but uh, I mean, a point and shoot, when I, you know, when I think of point and shoot, like uh, what I would carry around, I'd have, a, I have a Sony RX, you know, 100 and uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it's got a 24 to, you know, 70, you know, uh, it's, it's a pocket camera. I can do all kinds of stuff, but it's a digital camera. It's not, you know, a, a, a film camera. I think it's nice to, understand if you really want to be a photographer going back to the roots of photography and understanding how to use film and what you know what it's like to shoot you know 36 exposures and understand you know light and stuff like that it makes you a better photographer all around but you know 
the tools that we have today, you don't have to do that. Uh, it's fun to do that. And I think it's a good knowledge bank to have that. But, uh, you know, the, the point and shoots, you know, it, it's getting hard to say that because, you know, I, I have an iPhone 12 Max now and the stuff I can do that on that is really kind of amazing, you know, and that's, right. you know, when I have that, do I really need to put the other ones in my pocket or play with the other ones? It's, it's like, I have a, I have a, an amazing Sony mirrorless camera and I have my iPhone and I'm pretty happy with those two. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad I grew up in an Asia film and learned on film, but again, with digital, I'll, I never look back on film and I now have no nostalgia for film. But I think yeah. if maybe you grew up in an era and you never used film, like you grew up in cell phones as your camera or again, digital cameras, film may have a sort of mystical aesthetic to it. You know, it's like this physicality to it that you don't get with like a, a camera phone. And so I could see the draw there. And they mentioned in this article, the contact contacts T3, which I guess can go for upwards of $2,400. Have you ever heard of this point and shoot camera? I haven't even heard of this camera. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I've been around a lot of people that have whipped out their contacts and, you know, okay. and, and, and it's usually those affected people yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really, it, you know, it, it kind of like, you know, have you ever been around people like uh, that have a glass of wine? There's, you have the people that really just enjoy a glass of wine with dinner. And then the people that go into it full depth. Oh, this one comes from the South of Spain. It had, comes from an yeah. earthy terroir of minerals and this, it's fabulous. It's like, yeah, there's, there's enjoyment. And then there's just kind of fanatic, like I'm a, uh, jerk <laughs> but yeah. you know so there's the fine line of crossing over and i found usually the people that are that into pulling out a contact and saying it's a, a contact camera and and it's yeah it's like people that wear two watches you know <laughs> i'm just looking at amazon for this camera and you, it's 3500 dollars to buy it used crazy like, right? oh my god i wish i i wish i had picked up a couple and stored them so i could sell them to yeah, them there you go <laughs> Buy the camera now that you think is going to be that camera in twenty years, and then you'll be set That's for the thing retirement. Is like you, look, you look on, you look online, and all that, and and when do you get to the point where it's what do you say, gear acquisition syndrome? <laughs> where maybe you want just everything from that's, that's from right, yeah. So our next our next article, you know, article that we're going to talk about uh, is: Do you suffer from gear acquisition syndrome? And uh, I certainly have found myself many, 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 many times doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, suddenly going, you know, like, oh, I need the next biggest, best camera, you know, and, and the, the, I think the best thing that's kind of slowed me down is a lot of these best, biggest, biggest and best new cameras are costing a lot of money. So I'm like, do I really need that? And it slowed my roll down a little bit. You know, when you get a Sony A1 coming out for $6,500, it's like, you're not going to like, I've got to get, get that today. <laughs> it's like, no, I think my R4 is doing just fine fine <laughs> and yeah. i maybe don't need that so i mean where do you, do you find yourself like always looking and wanting to get the next best thing i'd say up until about five years ago yeah i was probably exactly that way i needed the new latest greatest or you know some weird interesting looking thing on kickstarter i needed to try it out but yeah the last couple of years definitely have been me slowing down in that respect and honestly selling a lot of my old gear and you know taking that pause when i see something new not instantly grabbing my credit card you know actually yeah. sleeping on it or thinking to myself do i really need it and nine times out of ten i don't yeah and one of the best things they kind of put in this article was a series of uh, like seven questions 
And and they're really kind of important. Like the first question is, do I need it? Why do I need it? What will mm-hmm. be the result? Ultimately change my photography the better. And most yeah. of the times we want it just because we feel like there's been an ad push or we think it's going to, it's going to be the missing link of why I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't do anything. Like, I, I think a lot of times maybe a lens is a lot more important than a body. Uh, if we're going to invest in stuff, because, you know, lenses really do do different things. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it, the what, second question, will it require me to upgrade any of my current gear, including computer? Will it, uh, is this need or want? That's the important one right, right. there. Is it need or want? Uh, more often than not, it's want. <laughs> uh, could I use the money for photography to- for experience with my current gear? You know, a lot of times, you know, you might get a lot of better stuff if you went out and did experiences in shooting than spending it on the gear. The gear that you currently have is probably great. You know, actually go out and take the photos spend yeah. the money on going taking the photos instead of making the gear uh so yeah. there was lots of great questions there and i think a lot of times we, we we always feel like we need new stuff but we don't master or utilize what we have to the to the best of its ability yeah, if yeah. i think if you get to that point where it's like i'm just not getting that shot or i'm not getting what i need because i don't have this it's like if you know you're into birding for photography and you only have a 16 to 35 yeah maybe you you know you'll invest in a zoom lens or something like that if because you it has to be something that's really going to fundamentally change what you do if it's just like right. i'm an upgrade from an r4 to an r5 well what are you getting that little better eye autofocus what, what are you actually getting that's going to make your photography that much better that so a lot of times it's like oh, i just want the next best thing yeah, usually it's some sort of gimmick. Uh, yeah. But I, I'll be honest, you know, I have acquired gear. You know, you never stop acquiring gear. But I would say the yeah. gear I've been acquiring has been more functional. Um, you know, a lot of it has been pushing towards uh, expanding my video capabilities, you know, yeah. like yeah. using the teleprompter or the audio connector tool or this microphone boom arm. You know, it's all been uh, gear that I've, you know, utilized and utilized on a regular basis. And that's the third thing, too. You know you have gas if you're buying stuff and it sits in a junk drawer, right? After you buy it, after the first or second time you use it and you play with it and you're like, if, as soon as you see that junk drawer getting filled, you know, you're, you're, you're susceptible, uh, susceptible to gas. So yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, another thing that helps is get a family because once you have a family and kids and, and whatnot and you have to budget, then, you know, you're, you're not going to be yeah. blowing your stuff on worthless or, you know, also good advice which is 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 don't rush into buying things yeah. you know, it's like especially being an early adopter you know it's like it's like you know you may oh i heard you know all this great stuff and of course the stuff you hear in the first month is going to be fantastic because it's usually either paid reviews or people you know working for the things or wait to wait just get it they'll give it a little time let the dust settle read the reviews the real world reviews and say and see because you might you know look in there like oh no one talked about, you know, the, the, you know, the IBIS failure, you know, or, or this, you know, or, or different things like, well, that's not going to suit me right. Or this one doesn't really yeah. work in situations like let, let the dust settle a little bit before you, you know, rush out. And don't worry, don't um, negate the used market as well. You know, don't yeah, think you absolutely. have to get everything new either. Like Especially one of the things. Lenses are yeah. great. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I've held off on buying any more RF glasses. I'm hoping that eventually it'll, Get on Eventually, the yeah, you have such a new, you know, uh, camera with, you know, and those expensive glass that uh, yeah. it'll probably it'll probably be a little before some of those those uh, hit the used market. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's show. Unless there's anything else you have got to add, there, no, Travis. I think, uh, I think we went off some good stuff today, especially stuff that uh, we could go further down the rabbit hole. So please, if you if you liked any of the subjects we talked about today, or you want to continue the discussion, or 
let us know about the, you know some some topics we maybe haven't talked about get in touch with us and how do people get in touch with us well they can go on our facebook page or they can go to youtube or twitter or instagram or all the places where we live or just go to aroundthelens.com and find links to all that stuff out there and you can definitely find links to travis's instagram account where you can see that he has a blue check mark congratulations travis i'm so I heard proud you of making you. fun of that earlier i'm not <laughs> one of those people that rush out with a blue check mark to buy stuff but uh i, I you know what uh, it, it uh, you know it's like uh, it's a cool little thing to be verified no. after I'm proud of you and I'm very envious and jealous. And I hope that that blue check marks brings you all the joy and satisfaction in life that I'm, I'm a complete man. Now. Indeed, <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, there we go. Get that blue check mark and you can rest easy. I'm going all for right. a purple next. I don't know what that means, but I'm going for a purple, purple check, mark. check mark. Oh my goodness. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's show. Thank you so much, Travis. This has been Dave Murphy for Around the Lens in a Flash, and we are bouncing. <laughs>